Dave Pryor. Welcome to the Reluctant Agilist. Mike McCall is back. Mike, thanks for being here. Thanks, Dave. Uh, today's topic has the very sexy title of outcome-oriented data-driven change, which sparked quite a lot of conversation when you posted something about this on LinkedIn, right? That's right. That's right. Really good conversation amongst a lot of um, really credible Agilists that have a lot of experience. <laughs> It's always fun when agile people post something and then everyone else like dog piles on top of it. Yeah, um, I was ready for it. <laughs> so we're going to talk about that in just a second. But Mike, before we get into that, can you tell these folks who you are and, and talk a little bit about uh, Lean Agile Intelligence? Yeah, sure. So my name is Mike McCalla. I am out of the Philadelphia area. Uh, very fortunate to be introduced to Agile early in my career, going back about 15 years ago. Uh, realized right away that my own principles and values very much align with, with the Agile principles and values and decided to make a career out of it in 2010. I uh, went out on my own and been helping organizations in my area um, with quote-unquote Agile transformations. Um, a little bit of a data nerd. Um, I'm okay saying that. Believe in the power of data to tell a story. And in 2017, um, created Lean Agile Intelligence which is a, um, a team assessment platform, essentially, um, with a bit of an outcome uh, orientation uh, that allows organizations to really get some feedback from the people doing their work and actually do targeted coaching and improvements throughout the system. Cool. Um, so, yeah, that's, uh, that's it in a nutshell. I've been really working on that for the past four or five years and, and, and growing. Okay, and I want to I want to give one little uh, added explanation of this for the folks that are listening. There are other tools that you can use to do this kind of to, to take an assessment. But one of the things that's really cool about this one is it, it works with I think every every major known form of agile, right? Yeah. So we've done a lot of work in making sure that we've really um, created a whole bunch of assessments that people can pick from based off of you know their context. Um, and actually allowing them to really focus on outcomes um, to help drive their improvements and their coaching efforts. Okay. So regardless of what flavor you're using, if you have the right, you have an idea of where you want to end up, you can use this tool to kind of figure out how you're doing with getting there and make suggestions, Correct. right? Okay. That's the idea. Yes. Cool. All right. So thank you for doing that. Now, with the post, you posted something on LinkedIn. Could you give a quick summary of what your main message was there? Yeah, so I guess what drove the post was a little bit about, um, you know, it seems like every day when we go on LinkedIn, we're seeing these, you know, Agile is failing or Agile is dead or, uh, you know, 98% of the Agile transformations have failed. Um, and so uh, I think a lot of us have seen a lot of the quote unquote anti-patterns of um, changing the way organizations work. And this is why they're not seeing that impact and that benefit that organizations are anticipating, okay. right? And, and and you know as good as I do, Dave, when you start to embark on this journey, a lot of organizations are actually really focusing on agile, right? Yeah. And agile being the goal. How many teams do we have working in an agile fashion? What's their velocity? Um, what's for right, very focused on outputs <laughs> and yeah. checking the box. Uh, another any pattern that I've seen is change management is is typically omitted in these types of changes, right? Where are the feedback loops from the people? Are we actually uh, inflicting this upon people, or are we inviting them into change? How are we going about that? We're asking these people to change the way they've worked uh, for a long period of time. We're, there has to be a human element here 
yeah. um, and change management. And then the last one that I typically see is a lot of organizations don't know why they're doing it. There's not alignment across the leadership level. It's not alignment across the different silos. Um, and then typically that leads to just kind of agile theater, if you will. Yeah. And really managing around those ecosystem constraints instead of actually dealing with them, those impediments head on. So I want to start with that one and see if we can use that as a way of kind of digging into this further. I, I agree with you. I feel like a lot of organizations, they chase after it to chase after it because it's like this magical thing that they're supposed to get. But there, there's no understanding of why they're trying to get to it. And that means that when things get difficult, they're just going to revert back to the easier ways because they don't have this larger goal. It's not, they're not using Agile to fix a problem. They're just getting it because it's there. Right. So how do they figure out what problem they, what problem it can solve or what problem they should solve? Yeah. So my approach has actually been um, to really look across the different, and I call this a vertical slice. Okay. And what I mean by that is a vertical slice across the organization. So, hey, let's get everybody engaged in kind of the change and understand the real problems that we're trying to, 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 to solve. And typically, the people that know best are the people that are doing the work, right? Um, so you have to get the team members involved, right? You also have to get the middle, middle managers involved. And there's been a lot of talk about, you know, where what their role is in this type of change. And I think that's been lost. Um, we have to have empathy for those people and they're very much involved in this change. Um, and I think as an industry, we, we haven't done a, a terrific job in that. And that's why you hear things like frozen middle and, and, and yeah. things like that. And then finally, you have to get the, the senior leaders involved too, right? And really truly understanding, hey, what problems are we trying to solve? What does success look like? Um, what are the outcomes we ultimately expect from this? And how are we going to measure it? And let's just get aligned to that. Um, it sounds pretty like, why wouldn't you do that, Dave? But I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I, I just, but, uh, I yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The problem is they don't have agile successes. They have it in place and then everything's wonderful. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and I think it comes back to kind of that big transformation, big bang approach. Okay. Right. Like, hey, let's do a transformation program. Yeah. And, you know, our goal in the next three months is to have 10 teams up and then we want to scale to 20 teams. And, that, and, and it, it's just the changes, the magnitude of the change is, is large. Well, maybe and, we could talk about how it's evolved. Like I remember when I started doing this stuff, it was send in three coaches, start three, three pilots and they'll do it for a month and then everyone will be agile. And then it'll just organically spread throughout the organization, like an infection of fungus and the whole company will be agile and it'll be awesome. And then they realize, well, management's the thing that's in the way. So they start coaching management. Then we get to that frozen middle that you're talking about. Like, how have you seen this change, or at least the maturity level of the questions people are asking change? So I th I think that yes, you know, and and Scrum does a really good job at exposing the impediments at the team level. Uh -huh. But it's been my experience that there, there's those impediments aren't going anywhere, right? Instead, they're just managing around them. Okay. Um, and so actually getting and engaging the the middle layers. And engaging the 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 upper layers on defining the goals and actually measuring, um, you know, what is it that we're trying to achieve? 
uh, and getting those folks kind of involved and engaged in the change, right? There's a lot of talk about leadership nowadays, and leaders should not only support the change, but they all they need to own it, right? Because um, they can, they're the only ones that can change the system. So we need to get them engaged early on, um, and they need to feel that sense of ownership and feel like they have stake in the game, um, and then proving success, right? Uh, proving success with that vertical slice, if you will, and then starting to kind of make that organic um, instead of kind of this big bang transformation approach with a framework, which may not be a good fit for all the teams involved. Right. So this kind of fit for purpose, outcome driven, um, continuous improvement instead of framework driven, transformative improvement. Right. Let's just continue managing the change as real work um, and continuous and continuously improve and experiment with new ways of working. So I want to try to mansplain some of the dangerous stuff that you just said to people. You got it. Go I'm always I'm always guilty of that, David. Um, if we talk about transforming a company to a framework, it could be everybody's going to go to Safe, everybody's going to go to Scrum or whatever big model we're going to pay for. We're going to bring in the big consultants. We're going to convert the whole company over to this one way of working all at once or over the next year, whatever like that. And that is, we're buying the solution and we're going to try to make sure it fits the problem. Um, but it often doesn't. And what, what Mike, I want to check in with you because I believe what you were just saying is regardless of the framework, you have to find things that will fix the problems you actually have, which is going to mean you're going to have to understand your own problems before you go picking the answer. Yes. Yes. And and one thing to touch upon that you said there, Dave, is how, how do you know that that big framework is going to solve your problems, right? You made, you, you mentioned, hey, well, and typically what we see is the framework, the frameworks are um, large, heavy, right? Yeah. And, and a lot of the real problems are are hitting as a result of that. Like where I always come back to is this is really hard stuff, yeah. right? And so like what is like a small experiment that we can run, learn from it, and kind of adopt? And if ultimately that ends up being um, the, the ultimate solution is a large framework, then so be it. I just don't know if I would start there. Well, and – What's interesting to me, I'm going to pick on safe for a second, just because that's the easiest one, because I've had conversations with Dean about this. Um, it is a big, massive framework, and I think people go towards it because they have an awesome graphic, and there's a lot of options there. But, I mean, he'd probably be the first one to tell you, you find the pieces you need that work right for your organization, and that's what you use, and you change the stuff that doesn't work. But most people look at it like, we have to follow all these rules, and they can't follow them. I mean, does that does that sound fair? Yes, I mean, safe in of itself is is complex, right? Yeah. Um, and I think one of the key and listen, I, I don't want to bash safe either. I, no, I, I don't. I don't mean to do. It was just in general. Yeah. I would say the same no, thing. No, no, I Scrum. think. Listen, I think it bridges a gap, right? I, I definitely think it bridges a gap. Um, I just think I would. I think I my experiences. I've seen organizations jump right into safe. Instead of really understanding why, why they need it. it safe, yeah, 
Yeah. Okay. So let's let's talk about that for a second. How does an organization, when they read all these things about Agile, everybody's doing it. They know they have problems. They've heard the word VUCA been thrown around a lot. They know they need to figure out what that means. How do they understand what problems they have that Agile can solve, especially if they don't even understand what Agile is? Yeah. I mean, I think first of all, it's about alignment across the different silos. Okay. Um, and, and really having those folks um, have, you know, I would say looking at it from, hey, how do we optimize the whole, right? And, and okay. I know that's a cliche, like, how do we really look at delivering end-to-end value instead of the local optimization where you have a process just kind of for your needs? Yeah. And really starting to t- take that focus, like, hey, we really need to start looking at how do we work um together and collaborate better right. to deliver value. I think I think most of the leaders out there um, understand that has to happen. I think they struggle with how it happens. Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, that's another thing that like a lot of the frameworks will, will say, hey, it's a value stream. And that's could be a that's another word you can unpack. Right. Yeah. Um, and so part of the post that I put up on LinkedIn was really saying, we've, we've touched a little bit, Dave, on the vertical slice, like, hey, let's just get alignment with senior level leaders, middle management, and All team. the way down to the team, yeah. Yep. All right. Because mostly it's always been, my experience is, hey, we're just going to do Scrum for this project at the team level. Right. And no, we don't really need to talk to the middle management layer. And to your point, we realized, oh, shit, we should have. Yeah. Right. And you got the senior folks that are pretty much like, you know, they don't really know what's going on on the ground Just go floor. Do the so, thing. Yeah. Eh, lip service. Right. Um, so we talked about, so the next piece is kind of that horizontal slice, if you will. And we can call it, and in the post, I, I'd say you can call this a value stream if you want, but really I'm just focusing on getting groups that don't typically work together and have handoffs, getting them to collaborate. Right. Um, and honestly, the first place I go in organizations is, because I see this all the time, is the infrastructure folks and the app dev folks, right? Okay. And the business folks. So like, you know, if we can just get them kind of working together, and maybe it's just on the IT side first with app dev and infra, but yeah. if we can just get them collaborating and have them have common goals, um, that's like a step in the right direction that wasn't there before because there was this handoff, which ultimately leads to it's their fault. No, it's our fault. No, it's their fault. And just an unhealthy working yeah. environment, right? So can, I want to jump in because you just said something that kind of sparked for me. I, I'm working my way slowly around to this opinion that every single problem stems from bad understanding of priority. Like if we talk about that vertical slice that you just mentioned, where we have CEO on through the middle down to the team, the teams in a lot of places have to optimize for themselves. So they're trying to figure out the best way they can work, but we're ignoring stuff to the right and left of them. Vertically, if there's a lack of clarity on priority, strategic priority for the company, that's when you're going to have the middle management getting in the way of the team as opposed to supporting them and, and senior management not understanding the changes that they have to make to create a path for the team. And across that 
horizontal slice, you just talked about infrastructure and uh, I think it was AppDev and the business people, they're adversaries because they don't have clarity on priority for the organization. Yeah, yeah. And I, and I like how you, how you put that where a lot of these issues come from lack of clarity on the priority, Yeah. right? Um, and also lack of clarity of kind of, you know, what your role is, definitely in the middle layer. And you yeah. mentioned like, hey, how do I support these teams? Um, and that resonated with me. Um, so yeah, I definitely think that that's what it is, right? Because in a large scale environment from experience, teams are getting hit from, you know, especially in the ones there's a large number of dependencies, right? It's right. very coupled, the infrastructure, you know, the the technology is, and, and all large institutions are, are mostly like that, right? Um, they're getting hit from different initiatives, val- trying to get their time to do the work, and they really don't have clarity on what's important, you know? Yeah. And what they're and willing the- to give up to get the solution to whatever's important. Yes. Like, what are you willing to sacrifice to get this thing that you want? Uh-huh. Well, and then really having, you know, those, those conversations about trade-offs, right? And being yeah. transparent about it. Getting, getting the right people in the room to really understand like, all right, well, why do we have to hit this date? You know, let's actually have the conversation. Interesting enough, uh, the pandemic actually was the probably what I saw the most clarity on priority in, in the organizations we support. It was very, very clear. Um, I would definitely say three of our clients where they said because of the pandemic, and this new remote ways of working, here is our organization priorities. And that just propagated down <laughs> and okay. it made life. Hey, how about that? Right. Yeah. And it just. <laughs> like it when just you're trying to so survive, different. things are different. They are different, my friend. That's right. Yeah. Um, and I can tell you that they've, they've, they definitely saw the value of it. Um, and they, they try really hard to continue working that way. However, um, they have reverted back to some of their um, bad habits where there's not really a single backlog for the organization with priority, right? Because that would mean we have to have really difficult conversations um, amongst different business leaders um, that we, we don't always, let's just say, engage head on. Yeah. It's interesting, the parallel with the pandemic, if you think about the precautions that people can take and how they get fatigued and they like, yeah, I'm fine. I'm not sick. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do that. And then you see like the increases we have in Europe. It's very similar to what happens with companies that try to go hardcore on one particular form of agile without understanding why. And then they get tired and they slip back. Yep. That's what I've seen. I'm trying to be careful about not talking about the pandemic too much. Um, I hear you. So when you're talking to organizations and they're saying, you know, we want your tool, we want you to help us figure out how to be more agile. How do you help them see whether it is, you know, change management issues or, or other stuff? How do you help them understand how to articulate what's actually wrong that needs to be fixed with this stuff? So a few things. Um, you know, it's really, again, getting everybody engaged and, and getting their voice heard about, you know, what are the, what are the problems that it's trying to solve? Okay. Um, and really peeling that back. Like, 
you know, and Jason Little actually mentioned this a little bit in in um, his response to my post. He, you know, everyone says, "Yeah, we want to change. We know we have to change." Dave, you mentioned, "Hey, you know, we live in a VUCA environment, right?" Yeah. Um, and and but. I mean, that's kind of like table stakes. Like everyone knows that. Everyone knows that we live in a digital economy. Right. Well, it's not until you get in the room and you really start peeling back where is the pain, right? And are you really, is there really an appetite to change? Um, and Jason said, hey, if if there's not, we don't waste our time and good for him. <laughs> um, but like when we start to peel that back, what are the problems that we're going to change? What does success look like? And then, you know, ultimately how do we measure it yeah. and how can we, and, and basically we believe that by doing agile, this will fix our problem. Right. So it's just a hypothesis and let's, let's just run an experiment just like we would do. Um, if you had a product and you wanted to see if a new feature is, you know, it, if there's a demand for a new feature, like let's manage the change in a very agile fashion, right? Run small experiments, learn from it, and then adjust as necessary. But you need to be able to know what it is we're trying to achieve, what outcomes, yeah. therefore you need to measure it. Um, and so bringing that kind of together, if you will, where you say, hey, here's why we're doing this. Here's our problems. Here's what we think success looks like. Here's how we're going to measure it. And we're going to run incremental changes and, and, a, and experiment with new ways of working, right? Yeah. Um, to see if it's really moving the needle. Um, I think the, the problem with that, like, I think the good thing with that, the benefit is people, it, it, it actually, you know, people kind of go, oh, okay, that feels a lot better, right? There's a little bit more of a, oh, it's not a huge change. And so that change management piece is baked into that. Yeah. The other side. The other side of that is, you know, I think where pe- where organizations would would bark at it, they'll say, "Well, we just want to be agile, <laughs> right? Let's just get there." I, I saw this framework, right, and that's kind of where we come in as consultants and try to make sure everyone understands the, you know, the impact analysis, if you will, the benefits and costs of of doing one approach versus the other. Right. And and agile is just a means to an end. It's not like, I mean, we both look at it like these are different tools and practices you can use just in the same way that if you want to get in shape, there's lots of different ways you can go about doing that. Not every single one is right for every person. I mean, that whole let's adopt a framework would be like saying everybody's got to go do CrossFit. Yep. And so that's going to hurt some people. <laughs> Yes. Yes. Correct. (laughs) So we've got to have a way of saying, I want to achieve a certain thing. I want to be able to respond quickly to change. Or I want, like, what would be something you've seen a company say they wanted to achieve that would be like a a clear thing that Agile could help them get to? Well, a good example is being able to get to market faster. Right. Um, and so, okay, we're going to adopt agile ways of working um, and, and really start collaborating across different, or, different units. We're going to have okay. alignment, alignment vertically where the impediments are removed, okay, you know, when they, when they start to bubble up from the teams. Yeah. Um, and we're going to see if we start overall from an average standpoint, start to get, let's just say, features to the market faster. 
Okay. Okay. Um, and let's just take a look at and start measuring that. Now, one success story that we have is, you know, we we were working with an organization. I say we, I mean my company, Lean Agile Intelligence. And that's what they, you know, we actually have them prioritize their outcomes, right? Because if you go into an organization, Dave, you say, what do you want to optimize for? They'll say, well, we want to get the market faster. We want happier customers. We want to innovate. Uh, we want better quality. Um, and so it's like, well, all those things are going to pull on one another. What do you really right. want to optimize for in this context? And it was it, it ultimately came down to time to market in working with their leadership team and getting feedback from. And this is all running so, workshops. Right? But th- and that's really important because if you say time, whatever thing you say is like the king, if time to market is king, then that's going to drive decision making not necessarily to the exclusion of the other things, but it does take priority. Yeah. And I think the key is it takes priority in that horizontal and vertical slice, right? Like, because over here, there's another product supporting another business line that's more focused on customer satisfaction, right? And so that's what they're optimizing for. And so, and being able to get that alignment and measure it because it is going to be different across the organization. Um, and getting that alignment on what you're really trying to optimize for, giving your problems, um, you know, that's that brings clarity to the change on why we're doing this. And if you can measure it and really start to see if you're moving the needle, because that measurement should drive that alignment. Yeah. Right. Are you are you able to measure when you, when you just said the thing about um making sure that the different groups are kind of aligned behind the same purpose, right? This is about time to market. This is about some other thing. We have often have teams or verticals or horizontals within the organization that are given competing marching orders. And so they end up in unintentionally working against each other. Are you able to measure like to, to see that any way of kind of metricing that out to see where like you're told, you know, only use dairy and I'm told never use dairy. And so we can't work together because those things are at odds. I think if you have the vertical slice, you're going to have a lot of, let's just call them impediments that bubble up. Yeah. Right. Um, Middle management thinks they need Gantt charts and utilization reports. And that's not what the teams need or leadership needs. No, it's just, Hey, what's blocking us? What systemic issue is blocking us? Like, do we have the tooling? You're telling us to do, you know, um, TDD, but we don't really have the training, right? You're telling us that we have to get the market fast, but we got 400 projects going on. Yeah. Like, what's that feedback loop up to the people that can make decisions and change the system? And is it being acted upon? Right? Like, yeah. to me, that's where rubber hits the road. Like, at the team level, sure, they're going to be working together. But if they're just managing around those constraints that we typically see, you know, funding's another one. Um, another one I typically see is vendor contracts. How are we working with our vendors? There's systemic issues that teams are managing around. And as long as we're getting feedback from them on where's that pain, it, it bubbles up the leadership. And it's really it's it's on them to say, what do we need to change to to enable and support our teams better so we can ultimately achieve the outcomes that we're talking about? Yeah, Um so a good example for that is 
we actually have had clients really revisiting their vendor relationships, right? They, they, you know, once upon a time, they said, hey, we're going to outsource our, let's just call it our back office processing. Sure. And what, they, what they've realized is it just creates a dependency um, and project management nightmare. And it, it, the, the, the just aligning all those dependencies. So now they're actually going back to the drawing board and going, hey, what can we take back? Yeah. Um, so, and that I want to just yeah. jump in. And that doesn't mean that having done that was a bad decision. That decision was made to solve a problem, but now we're facing a different problem. I think that I think that decision was made 15, 20 years right. ago yeah. when we were looking for economies of scale, right? When now you're being, you know, everyone everyone's got a mobile platform, right? And now you're looking to be able to respond to change a little bit faster, get the market faster, be much more customer centric, just given the the world we live in. And now you're right, you have to solve that problem in a different way. I think the key point that I'm trying to make is the people that can solve that problem are not the teams, right? It right. is 100% upstairs. Whether, yeah. And yeah. so they have to be, that's where, that's where I, you know, I keep saying it's on blue in the face, but if you don't have that vertical slice, you don't have everyone engaged that needs to be engaged and they don't have a, and they, they need to have a common vision and goals and metrics. The work that just bubbles up, these impediments are the work of the transformation. Yeah. And, you know, like that's ultimately what they need to be able to do is to be able to make decisions on, all right, the system needs to change, which is really expensive and hard to do, right? Yeah. And and making sure that you're getting a feedback loop where the people upstairs or in the middle are hearing from the people on the teams like that. Under, like if I'm an executive understanding how the thing that I did yesterday, it blocked the team from delivering. Because they're not used to being told that, or they're not used to hearing that, or the team in the middle, like maybe the PMO, doesn't understand how it is thwarting our ability to deliver simply by being on a mission we're not actually on anymore. Yeah, and and that's where the transparency comes in, and and safety, right? There needs to be safety in the environment that you know team members can, and even middle management bubbling it up to to senior management that they you know they feel comfortable doing that. Yeah. Um, and so that's that that's a shift as well that I see in a lot of large organizations. Um, but once you and the feedback loops from the people to me and the impediments that go up, yeah. um, that's where rubber hits the road, right? Like, are we truly willing to change? Uh, what we do is just kind of put the infrastructure in the place. And what we mean by that is, you know, there's a transformation team of middle management um, leaders uh, as well as some coaches that, you know, are getting the first pass at that impediment, right? And they're managing it. And then if they can't solve it, it kind of goes up to a higher level. Um, you know, call it a steering committee, if you will, right? Sure. Um, and and really kind of just putting that infrastructure into place, you know, where these impediments bubble up yeah. and making sure you have common goals and you're measuring kind of the outcomes you're trying to achieve from a operating model standpoint, if you have all those parts in place, you know, as a change agent, it, you, you've done your job at really making it transparent. It's really yeah. up to the the leadership to decide whether or not, you know, the juice is worth the squeeze. So all the levels are coming and facing the impediment, but they're coming from the same core mission. So they're probably thinking about it the same way. They all understand 
what outcome we're looking for, what we're willing to sacrifice to achieve it. So the decision-making process should be much simpler in that case. And, and the, the key there is it's got to be pretty thin, right? Because the, the, more net, the more wide you get on that, yeah. the more vague, right? You, don't bec- you, you lose that alignment. That focus, right? yeah. Yes. So if you can do those slices um, horizontally and vertically, then and keep them narrow so the change isn't so impactful yeah. and learn from it, then um, I think you have a better chance at success. My experience, okay. right? Now, I know people are going to want to know about what to measure. And you said you're a data geek. So what... <laughs> I I have to ask these questions. What um, what kind of things are you going to want to be tracking? Or I mean, you can even talk about the tool and how it tracks it. But I'm curious as to how you assess performance in this in this. Yeah. State. So I think I think if where we start, Dave, is we we typically will look at kind of hey, what is the ultimate outcome that you want this operating model to change? And we talked a little bit about hey, we want to get the market fast. Sure. Um, or, hey, we want happier customers. And really taking a look at those outcomes and assigning different metrics, leading and lagging indicators. Okay. So for example, time to market, let's just look at cycle time, which is the time you actually start, let's say a feature to the time you deliver it. Okay. okay? Um, and then, you know, kind of look at over time, is that improving? The trend is more important than the absolute number. Where... LAI comes in, our tool, our assessment platform is, we actually run team assessments with where we assess different practices of the teams. Um, And then we actually link those practices to um, those operating model outcomes, such as time to market, customer satisfaction, innovation. So what this does is a couple of things. One, it allows the teams to actually prioritize their improvements based off of what the vertical slice is trying to achieve. Okay. So for example, I run this, I run an assessment and we say, Hey, all right, we have, you know, we've just took an assessment of 20 questions. We don't know where to start from an improvement standpoint. Well, Hey, we all are aligned about getting the market faster. We filter on, you know, time the market practices, and we now get six back. So now we know we're focused. So it's a more focused, targeted approach, right? Based off of an outcome um, where lean agile intelligence helps you because we also give you scoring in each one of the outcomes. So we okay. very much act as a leading indicator yeah. um, for the improvement where, hey, your outcome score in LAI is X, right? And it's on a scale from one to five. And let's just say it's a 2.4, right? And you're taking an assessment every quarter. Well, once the idea is that when you start to see an uptick in that leading indicator, that should give you more of a sense that you're going to see an uptick in your lagging indicator, which is typically cycle time. So right? you can see cause and effect. Okay. Correct. So, so that's where we that's where LAI kind of comes in and is helping organize. It's it's helping them prioritize improvements, Dave, based off yeah. of what they're trying to achieve. So I want to I want to try to make sure I'm understanding this because I think I just saw something about the tool that I didn't get before. Um, you're able to see how something like 
our team is split across two different projects is affecting or is having an impact on our ability to go from an idea to something we can put in a customer's hands. Or yes. you can draw some sort of causal link between those two. The, the reason that's really interesting to me is because I've, I've been starting to think more about how I wish every team had a data scientist who was like Troy McGinnis on every single team, just watching all the people and being like, oh, that thing you just did, that's what's causing this to happen. That's trickling down and getting us slower. Like we have that for, for professional athletes, um, but we don't have that for teams. And I think it would be really great if there, if we were able to see how different habits, different things we put in their way, different things in their environment are affecting their ability to impact, you know, the delivery of value. Yeah. Um, so one of the one of the reasons that LAI gets adopted in in organizations is really it's typically like a second approach or their second transformation where they have some really good consultants and coaches that are driving towards outcomes. And so how do we change the conversation away from how agile are we, right? right. To are we achieving our goals? And so you can imagine when you see those behavioral patterns such as hey, our teams are really struggling with dependency management. Yeah, our, our teams are really struggling with priority. And you kind of associate them as impediments towards those outcomes because that's what the tool does. Right. Um, it changes the conversation around, okay, well, here's the problem that, see, in my mind, assessments is a feedback loop, right? That's in, in the form of data that can help you make improvement decisions. Yeah. That's, that's lean agile intelligence in a nutshell. And so it helps inform those improvements based off of the outcomes they want to achieve, not okay. how agile are we. And so, you know, and we often say we are just a platform for change agent um, uh, and allows them to kind of drive the right conversations around outcomes uh, along with data, supporting data. Because we all know that the higher ups really care about data and metrics. And, and so it allows them to have a, a better chance of success in driving the change at the systems level, if you will. So this goes from how many teams have been through training to what is the impact on our ability to deliver because people have been through training? Yes. Okay. Well, that's really cool. Um, awesome. So if people want to fight about this with you on LinkedIn, <laughs> they can go. I want to include a link to the post. Um, if yeah, wanna... I mean, real fast on that, like the yeah. overarching kind of feedback and theme was, um, you know, because I was trying to entice people. I said, you know, am I oversimplifying this? Right. Like that was the first that was the first sentence in there. Am I oversimplifying mainly for, for a feedback loop for me? Like, yeah, like. You know, like sanity check for me because, you know, I'm having a little success with this. What am I missing? Right. Because it, yeah. it feels kind of simple. Um, and so the the overarching feedback was, no, you, this is good to simplify like this, um, where people kind of had really good was around. Well, do you pick your vertical slice first, your horizontal slice? They want really step by we, step. Yeah. 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 It, it was a sequence. Right. And so um, that's where the debate came because I listed six steps. And I think where we all landed was um, there really is no sequence uh, because it all is based off of, you know, your, there's no recipe for success. It's based off of your context. Yeah. You might do your horizontal slice first, 
right? Because you have some maybe some change champions across these different silos that want to work together, right? Or you might have a top-down uh, driven transformation that's you're really going to get a lot of support from, from the higher-ups in this division. So maybe you look at that first. There, It's all about context. And I think everyone, where everyone landed was, they're probably all happening in parallel yeah. um, because you know we're dealing with this complex environment of an organization, right? Yeah, I don't think you're oversimplifying it either. I just think it's one of those things that even though it seems like it should be stupidly obvious that you have to start understanding what you want to achieve before you start just doing things, um, people get, I don't know, like, like swept up in the idea of it and, and they get lost. They forget to ask that question. Yeah. They just especially, want the especially with agile being a silver bullet, right? Yeah. Yeah. Which there, there are, if you're listening, there are no silver bullets. <laughs> Right. At all, Correct. anywhere. Um, cool. So if they want to learn more about the tool, where's the best place to go? Yeah, just go right to our, our website. It's uh, www.leanagileintelligence.com. Um, yeah. And there's a free trial where you can give it a spin for three weeks um, and run some assessments with your teams. It's 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 unlimited. Um, and, and get some feedback and and maybe collaborate with us on, on going further. And when you... I just want to clarify this one other thing. When we're talking about that feedback loop, like when I did assessments, you would, I'd go in once. But this is the thing. You're not just using the tool once. You're going to be using the tool continuously to get that feedback loop going so you can see how the subtle changes you're making are impacting your performance. Yeah, typically we run them. We, we encourage organizations to run them quarterly. Okay. Um, and um, in within our tool, teams can actually mark things that they're um, impeded. Right. So let's say, for example, that teams are, you know, team, you have 10 teams that say, listen, we're unable to do this, get to this stage because of this blocker that's out of our control. Okay. So, so it all bakes into the model, Dave, of these impediments are bubbling up. Let's, yeah, right. Let they're probably going to bubble up. Do. They're probably going to bubble up every sprint. There's probably going to be themes across them that they'll see um, every quarter in the assessment. Okay. And it's just about managing those changes at the system level as real work and experimenting with new ways to alleviate those constraints with constant measurement. This is very cool stuff. Um, all right. What if they want to get in touch with you? I forgot to ask you that part. Yeah, you can uh, you can find me on LinkedIn. It is my platform of choice to collaborate and um, share my learnings. So please feel free to, to reach out and and um, follow me and um, look forward to collaborating with you. Cool. All right. Thanks, man. I appreciate you making time for this. Dave, thanks for having me. Um, I know it's been a while. Yeah. Um, I really enjoyed this conversation. <laughs> thanks Hopefully again. we'll get to see each other in person again at some point. Yeah, it's been a while for sure. Yep. Cool. Thanks, man. All right. Thanks, Dave. If you learn to work the old way, but the new way is what you